Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Well, we um, today, we're on a series, some of you that are new, it's called This Is Us. And, um, and this Is Us series is basically, um, it's about who we are. You know, sometimes when you're visiting a church or you might have been visiting for a while and you're like, who are these people? What do they think? What's important to them? What do they believe? You know, and, and so the reality is, is that it's good to have kind of a, a time in which we can say, this is who we are. And this is what is important to us as a church. And today we're on, we're on week four and we're going to be talking about servanthood, spiritual gifts and character. So it's, it's a mouthful, I know, but it's a good one. And, you know, serving is something that we do with, with the gifts. Each of us have been given gifts. We have some incredible gifts in this house. We have individuals that are gifted in worship, and they're up here today serving in their gifts. We have people today here that really have a gift of serving others. There's a servant gift, and you have one person walking around serving, you know, uh, donuts to everybody, and, and, you know, and so there's different giftings in our midst, but the incredible thing about that is that we're not the same, we're all gifted differently, but as a body, as a family, we're to use our gifts to serve one another here. And the thing about that is that one day when we stand before the Lord, he's going to ask you, how did you use the gifts that I gave you, the talents? And you'll be judged by how you serve in your gifts. And it will be, the Lord's going to take a little flame to it, whatever you have done and built, and whatever is wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn away, and whatever remains is what you're going to get your reward with. But the reality is, is that there's a reward that's going to be given to us on the day that we stand before the Lord, and it's all centered around the gifts that he's given you and how you're using them. Did you all know that? So we really will have, we'll give an account for how we're operating in our giftings, and, and servanthood is not a lot of times really natural for some people. They just, it's just not like their go-to, you know? How can I serve this person? It's kind of like, eh, you know, you can serve me, you know? I like it better that way. But the reality is sometimes servanthood is not easy, but what we're going to find out is that servanthood is one of the biggest characteristics and indicators of a great leader in the kingdom of God. And so in that, Jesus is going to instruct us in that. But before we talk on servanthood, I want to show um, a, a quick video. If we could turn out the lights in the back and um, we drop the lights down, that would be good and, and on the stage. So if we could pull this up, I'd like you all to watch this with me. Some of you are just like that when it comes to serving. 
And some of you respond like that, older guy, <laughs> when you're being served. You're like, get away from me. I, I, I don't need this right now. But the reality is, is that whether you're good at it or you don't like it or you're middle of the road, the reality is, is that we are to serve one another. And Jesus summarized, you can look on your outline, Jesus summarized his total, uh, does everybody have one by any chance? If you don't have one, raise your hand. Okay, good. If you don't have a pen or pencil, raise your hand and we'll get you one. Because there's fill in the blanks. This is a test today. <laughs> Jesus summarized his total ministry as serving and declared servanthood to be the criteria for, for genuine greatness. Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, we read this verse, and it's really highlighting the hallmark of, of what's important to the Lord, and that is being a servant. And we read this, and you think, okay, we just read a verse but what happens before this verse is also very important. Jesus just, just declared to his disciples. He said, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to be betrayed. I'm getting ready to be beaten. I'm getting ready to be whipped. I'm getting ready to be flogged. I'm getting ready to be crucified. And I'm getting ready to die. And he was very clear about what's getting ready to happen. Because prior to that, the Lord was somewhat obscure in his describing what would happen to him because he was not wanting to say everything in advance to give too much information for the enemy. So he was very wise and shrewd. He would say it like this. He would say, tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll rebuild it. And they said, what's he talking about? Tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days? That's nonsense. If you've never seen the temple in Israel, it's a huge thing with massive stones. So in that, he was obscure in a way he was describing his death. But at this moment, he was really clear. He didn't mince words. And then all of a sudden, one of the mothers of one of the disciples called uh, James and John and had her, had, had her boys right there beside her. And, and all of a sudden, he just shares his heart. I'm getting ready to die. And then what, what does she do? Let's look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 20. And, um, and I want you to see this because this is an incredible picture of the servant heart of 
Jesus. And that verse 25, all of a sudden, um, Jesus, let's look at verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do, you, what do you wish? Now, just remember, he just got done telling them he's getting ready to be crucified. Now, so what do you wish? And she said to him, command that your kingdom, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, we are able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the 10, the other 10, they're like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe he just said that. And then all of a sudden, they became indignant with their other two brothers. And, and then Jesus goes into verse 25, which we just read. So, I mean, get this. Jesus just described, I'm getting ready to go through a whole lot of stuff for you guys. And then all of a sudden, there's one person wanting to be great in the kingdom. And, and the mother is wanting to have her two sons sit beside him when he's in his kingdom. I mean, you got to think about the emotion. If there was ever a moment that Jesus could have gotten a little bit irritated, it was right then. If there was ever a moment he could have been a little bit sharp, a little bit corrective, it was right then. He didn't. I mean, I imagine inside, though, he's going, ay, ay, ay. I just talked to them about dying, and now they want to see who's going to be great in my kingdom? Oh, my goodness, they just don't get it. But the reality is, is that Jesus was a servant, and he had laid down all of his rights. So he wasn't there for himself. He was there to serve the many, to be a ransom for everybody. And so in that, we understand. I mean, this would be like the context of everyday life where, you know, a woman, let's just say a woman comes home from a hard day's work, and the husband's watching football. And the husband and the wife says this, honey, you know, I'm just not, I'm not feeling really well. I know there's just something going on inside of me, and I don't know what I'm battling with physically, but something's not right, and I'm concerned. I'm concerned about my well-being, and I don't know what's happening with me on the inside. And I was so struggling at work that I got fired today. I got fired on my job, and I was driving home, and I was so emotional. I got T-boned at the intersection, and I didn't want to call you because you would, you might be upset with me. So I called the tow truck, and he brought my car home, and it's totaled in the driveway, and I'm so sorry. And all of a sudden, she says, honey, did you hear what I just said? Yeah, I did, honey. Um, what are you cooking for dinner? Basically, he didn't get it. 
He didn't understand that his wife was struggling and having a difficult moment and lost her job and gotten a wreck. And, and she's laying out her heart and he's not being sensitive and he's not listening, but he's wanting to do what he wants to do. And that's watch the Super Bowl. So the reality is, is that there are many things in which as we serve, we got to overlook how we're feeling and what we're thinking at that moment to love the other person. Has there ever been, uh, is there a husband here that, yeah, 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 that's fine, honey, and you didn't hear a word your wife said to you? All right. This is a good time to be humble. Yep. Okay. So. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, look at the box here. Everyone, this is a quote by Martin Luther King Jr. Everyone can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't even have to know the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. Martin Luther King. Becoming a servant is one of the clearest indications of a life being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It is a hallmark indicator. And God is not merely calling us to serve by just occasionally doing good deeds here and there, doing a nice work over there, but servants, true servants, what we're doing is that we're laying down our lives for each other. And in that, it's being led and inspired and directed by the Holy Spirit as we lay down our lives. So, you know, we're, we're in a society right now in America where individualism is a pretty high uh, standard. And living an individualistic life is really characterized by being selfish. But in God's kingdom, in our community, God is, is, is fashioning and bringing us together as, as a family and as a, as, as a people that are, are here that we can demonstrate the quality of our lives in our commitment to the Lord by serving one another. And it, it's, it is so important to the Lord that throughout his life with his disciples for three and a half years, on many occasions, he would say, boys, boys, love one another. Love one another. Y'all don't act like you love one another. Come on. This is important to me. And serve one another care for one another. Galatians 5, 13 through 14, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. When we indulge ourselves in sinful nature, we're indulging ourselves in self-protection. We're indulging ourselves in self-preservation. We're indulging ourselves in self-gratification. We're indulging ourselves in, in many things that 
is of our sinful nature rather than laying that down and serving one another. So, Roman number one, servanthood defined. A true servanthood is the willful, first blank that you guys fill in today, giving of one's self. Giving of oneself through the expenditure of time, energy, or possession in order to meet the need of another. It is laying down our lives in practical ways, 1 John 3.16 and John 15.13. We never graduate from being servants. You don't just get a, a doctorate in servanthood and realize, I don't have to do it anymore. You guys are here to serve me, moi. I earned it. I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but you know, it's just the reality that um, we never just get out of, you know, I want to just say something. I'm going to highlight something that, um, that really touches my heart is that Joe Jane, who is 103 years old here today, on many, at many occasions, she has served our family and especially Eliza by writing her a note of gratitude and gratefulness for her life and for what she means to her. And she would even, she, she sends special gifts to us. And I can't tell you how many times Eliza was so touched by her servant's heart in wanting to care for her and look out for her. I mean, she, she, if you don't take care of her, boy, I'm coming after you. So, <laughs> but she loves Eliza, and she finds practical ways to still... So she's 103, and she's not stopped serving. So you never graduate. You don't get out over it. So, servanthood is an attitude, the next blank, B. Born in my spirit by the Holy Spirit. It provokes me to elevate and consider needs around me, and it requires thought and creativity. It expresses itself, number two, it expresses itself through my body. It requires action. Servanthood Demands that you get off the couch and do something. B, true servanthood sees the love of God as being intimately tied to expressing love towards one. I think this is an amazing just thought. I want you guys to grasp this. Number one, loving God means loving my brother and sister. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet he hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So, I would imagine there's many people in this room that love God. One of the hallmark demonstrations that says that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength 
is that you're loving your brother and your sister and you're finding ways to do it. You can't throw one out with the other. You got to do both. And that's an amazing thing to think about because the reality is, is that we've all been thrown into this family. We're all called the family of God. We've been adopted. We've been grafted in. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And therefore, God has basically said, you know what? I put you together. You might not like everybody. You might not feel, you know, I don't like the way that person just rubs me wrong. I don't like the way they look at me. Did you see the way that person looked at me, God? And the reality is he's saying, love them. I don't want to. Do it anyway. Number two. What is done to the least is done to him. Matthew 25, 31 through 40. When the Son of God, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked for me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Service number three to the saints, the next blank, to the saints demonstrates love in his name. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. He doesn't forget. He doesn't forget the way that you served and cared and loved and demonstrated that you really love people. And you know, I, I know that this is a theme that we've been talking about quite a bit here in the last couple of days or a couple of weeks, but we got to understand, if Jesus didn't say this one time, he probably said it close to 200 times in the New Testament. He had to keep repeating himself. You know Why? Because it wasn't natural. It wasn't normal. It wasn't their go-to. They didn't like Matthew, the tax collector, who was just real analytical. And he just was lived in his head. But you had Peter who lived in his heart, but he had always foot-in-the-mouth syndrome. So the reality is, is that you had 
individuals that were so different. And he kept saying, boys, boys, remember, love one another, serve one another, care for one another. So D, true servanthood requires initiative. The next blank. Looking for and seeking opportunities to serve. Roman numeral two, servanthood demonstrated. Jesus, our example in attitude and action. I, I, this is amazing to me. Knowing who he was, Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the next blank there. And that was a very humbling moment because he, he stripped himself of his outer clothes, put on a robe, and bowed down at the feet of each of his disciples and washed their feet. Where tradition in Israel, when a leader or a, a Pharisee or a Sadducee or any prominent person entered into your house, what was the first thing that they would do? Is wash their feet. They would wash their feet. And they'd take off their sandals and they would bow and wash um, a leader's foot or any guest that entered into their house. And so in their mind, they're thinking, we should be washing your feet, Jesus. And now Jesus is washing their feet. He cooked a meal. If anybody thought that Jesus couldn't cook, he was a master chef. Anybody that can cook fish and bread on, on, on a beach out of nothing, he didn't have a kitchen, is a good cook. So he cooked a meal. He served his disciples. Number three, he gave up his life. The next blank there. Philippians 2, 5 through 11, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That is the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Number four, he gave up his position and privilege in that next blank, privilege. Number five, he emptied himself and became of no reputation. Number six, he became a slave. Number seven, being God, he came to earth as a man in the next blank. Eight, he humbled himself, a child, a carpenter, a servant. Think about it. The God of the universe made himself into a little baby, humble, fragile. He made himself into a carpenter. A carpenter's position in that day and time, you know, it wasn't a high level, you know, executive position being a carpenter. But the reality is, is that he was a humble carpenter. But that's how he was modeling himself and showing who he was. He wasn't come to be this great ruler to sit on the throne in Israel. He came as a carpenter. 
He was obedient unto death, number nine. Number 10, he died on a cross in agony and shame, the next two blanks. So how does this carry over into our church as Christians? Number one, in hospitality. Inviting people to your home and sharing life together. Have fun together. Go on a hike together. We got a lot of places around here to hike. If you, if you need to know a good hiking trail, there's a guy over there named Eddie Evans. He knows every hiking trail in North Carolina, I think now. He says, Sam, I just got back from a 20-mile hike. Woo! Man, it was great. 20 miles, yeah. No. But he knows every hiking trail. Go hiking with Eddie. Yeah. Come on. And he can cook too. So show up at his house. He might cook you something. So... But the reality is, is that let's be hospitable and just invite, come together. You know, if, if you want to have a friend, be a friend. You know, it takes initiative. It takes someone stepping out thinking, I'm not real good at this, but mm, I'm going to try it. And if somebody tries, don't shut the door in their face like that little video we saw. You know, if you're, you know, a, a grumpy whatever, and, and you shut the door... I mean, somebody, if, if, if they're serving one another in their areas of gifting, do you know sometimes when you operate in, in a new thing that you've just got, you're not real good at it yet? Well, some of you are discovering your own spiritual gifts, and you might step out in your gifts to serve one another. And it might be a little awkward. It might be that, well, I, that one didn't go over very well. Well, don't shut the door in their face. Give them the opportunity to continue to serve and, and to love you, even if it they might not be the best at it. The reality is, this is to be a practice ground environment where we're to step out and practice in operating our gifts. The last thing you want to do is if, if you've been given a gift and you step out and you're told, well, you're not very good at it. What does that do for you? It's just to be a time where we're to operate and serve and care for one another. Give, give one another a chance. And, and, you know, if the person doesn't receive it real well, don't get offended. Just try again. But the reality is, is that we're to be an a, a, a operating, functioning body. We got arms in this room. We got a leg in this room. We have eyes in this room. We have a nose in this room. Every part is to be functioning to build up us into the image of who Jesus is. So, number two, making meals for new moms. You can do it that way in demonstrating servanthood. Is there a new mom here? Would you like to have a meal? Raise your hand. If you had a baby in the last year, raise your hand. I mean, really. I mean, if you got new babies, I mean, I'm going to tell you one thing, the last thing you want to do is I got to get in there and cook a big meal. So let's serve, serve the moms, those that are sick, those that are grieving, others in need. Let's find ways to serve one another. Number three, helping and prepare for meetings. We had a wonderful helpers today. We needed to get another table out. So I saw guys getting another round table out. 
We've had helpers set up this room. We've had helpers set up the kiosk back there with the coffee and the donuts. We've had people serving in the media team, which are incredible. We've had people serving all over this room serving. But it's with one thing in mind. It's as we're serving each other, Scripture says we're serving Jesus. So you're not doing it unto man, you're doing it unto him. Four, faithful attendance and participation is a church-related event. You know, I don't want anybody to feel like they got to come to a Super Bowl party. But the reality is, is that attendance in our gathering is important to the Lord. Why? Because he says in the Word, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. We're not to think of coming together as a church as an option. Well, I don't know if I feel like it today. If I don't feel like it, I'm not going. Is that the way Jesus thinks? Is that his attitude? Gathering together is not for this church, for its name, or for me. We're gathering together for him. And we build up each other. We edify each other. We encourage one another. I can't tell you how many times... I've come here, and I've, I've been having a pretty tough week. I have tough weeks. And then all of a sudden, I come here, and I am so encouraged. I feel so loved. I feel so supported. And, and I feel like I can go another week because I'm here. I'm here with you. And number five, generous financial giving. That's another way we can serve one another. And it's serving even the needs in our body. If there's a need, we go to it and we help out. Number six, greeting the next blank, newcomers. I'm going to tell you something. If somebody is new to the church and is, is visiting, I always put myself in their shoes and I'm thinking, if I'm new in a church and no one is coming up and talking to me, that tells me a whole lot about this church. And greeting new people, welcoming them, reaching out to them is what Jesus would do. And it's important that we, we serve those that are coming, that are here visiting. You know, you might have just moved into the area and you're, and you're you know, and you come into Asheville and you're like, whoo, Asheville's a, a mixed bag, you know. <laughs> I mean, Asheville's the only place you can go and, and downtown and find the Dalai Lama on one corner and a Wiccan on the other corner. It's like only in Asheville, you know? It's like, so, you know, it's like, you know, you're getting to know Asheville, you're getting to know the community, and it's like, you know, sometimes you're like, is there a place that I can just call home where people will love me and care for me just the way I am? I mean, coming into a, to an area... And, and having relationships and building connection is a big deal. Feeling like people know you, love you, care for you is a big deal. And I want everyone that comes and visits this church to feel welcomed, to feel loved, to be seen, and to be heard. It's just, a, it's so important. Our whole fabric is that we want people to know us, like us, be connected to us. So, number eight, babysitting. Who needs a babysitter? 
I mean, babysitting is a way we can serve. Participating in ministry teams and the list goes on. I couldn't even put them all in there. So outside the church, by taking an active interest in your neighbors and your coworkers. You know, yesterday, I noticed our neighbors are never at our house. They're never at their house. They, they have another house somewhere else. So they're there maybe, you know, I don't know, a month out of the year. Well, they were there this week. I didn't know it. I, I, I walked out my door and I saw their window down. And I thought, hmm, I have never seen that window down before. And it's upstairs. And I thought, that's not good. You know, if, if the heat's on, all the heat's going to be coming out. So I just gingerly walked over and knocked on the door. I didn't know if they were there. And lo and behold, hey, Sam, how are you? They were there. And I said, well, I just... I just, I didn't know if you were here, but I just saw your window down. And so I just thought, you know, I wanted to see what was going on. If you were here, what? And he said, what window? I said, that window up there. <laughs> he said, I'll be, I don't know how that thing is down. He said, I got to go tell my wife. We got to shut that thing, all that heat going out and everything. And, um, and it was a way in which, you know, I was serving my neighbor, but my neighbor has also served me. And when I had a big old Christmas gift that my daughter got me, she didn't want me to see it. She had it shipped and it was on a tractor trailer load on a pallet and she had it, they had it taken off. I didn't know it, but they let it go in their garage. So my Christmas gift was in their garage. So, and I'm telling you, us serving each other and caring for is built a beautiful friendship and relationship that I have with my neighbor just because we're there serving and caring for each other. By showing initiative in serving those that you work with or around each day. So there's a lot of you that work with other people that, you know, will never be in this circle, but take initiative to serve them at work. Outside the church, you can show people hospitality, financial gifts. Luke 16, 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends. Or another translation says, use your wealth to, to serve the needs or help other people uh, that are in need so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So basically, it's talking about using your wealth, using your money to actually serve those outside the church and to reach them. And, you know, I, I was so blessed. I was going to say this. I was so blessed by, um, remember, you guys remember the flood that came here a couple of years, what is it, a year ago, a year and a half ago? Honey, how, how long ago was that? The flood. The flood. Two years, two years ago, the big flood. I don't know if y'all, we had a flood. So, and um, where Eliza and Matthew lived, their whole house was flooded with six feet of water. And, and the neighbor's house was underwater. And the house behind them was underwater. And all their cars were underwater. And it was a big deal. And, and they had a tragic Thing happened at their house, but even in the midst of having a house that was flooded, Matthew and Elise took initiative 
to um, raise money to give money to their neighbors to help fix their houses and even buy, get a new car. And it was a big undertaking, but it so blessed me. Here, here they are, their house is flooded and they're looking out after other people. And I thought it was just a beautiful picture of the heart of Jesus going and serving the needs of those around them with gifts. So number five, through the exercise of our natural and spiritual gifts, the next blank, let me read that scripture, uh, Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. D, who we call to serve? Our own family. Number two, those who teach. Number three, those in the, uh, in the family of believers. The widows and the fatherless, the poor and the weak, those outside the church through evangelism. And why do we serve and what is accomplished? Why are we doing this? To please God, to please our Father, because that's His heart. To bring praise and thanksgiving to God, to bring God glory, to gain a sense of blessing, and to exercise our spiritual gifts like we're exercising our muscles, this improves and shapes our ability to serve in the future. You're getting some muscle strength and you're serving. Ministry teams, while lifestyle of serving begins with our own initiative, this church has also developed several ministry teams that provides a wide variety of opportunities for you to serve in. So in that, in these teams, we're fulfilling a mission um, that without each other, the next blank is impossible. So we need each other to do this. And our goal is that every member of this church serve in some capacity. You guys just are not to come here on Sunday morning, get fed, and go home, and come back next week. We are to serve one another. And how you do that is through your gifts, Gift identification. Some of you have gifts that you don't even know that you have. And there's a treasure hunt on the inside of you that God wants you to discover the beautiful ways in which he has rewarded you and given you certain giftings. So number one, we desire to help you identify your areas of interest and giftings so as to help you deploy them in the church and encourage you to use them even outside of the church also. So based on this premise, we are all called to serve as needed. We find the greatest effectiveness and fulfillment when serving in our areas of interest and strength. Okay, so uh, you guys get out your phone. Get out, get out your smartphone. Joe Jane, you got your smart, smartphone? Smart what? All right, get out your smartphone. I want you to type in. I want you to um, Google giftstest.com. Oh, 
Elmo just came on. What is that all about? Elmo just came up. I'm like, woo, come on, Elmo. All right, giftstest.com. Go ahead and type it in, in your phone, giftstest.com. And what's neat about this is that this is a way for you to discover the gifting that God has given you. So I want you to type it in, giftstest.com. And what you're going to see is it's going to give you a little introduction. And then it's going to enable you to determine your giftings. So under the determine your gifts, it'll say take a test. And it is a very simple test. It's only 500 questions. No, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's maybe 100, I don't know, 150 or so. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It goes real quick. But if you want to know kind of like what are a list of the gifts, view your gifts. And then under that, you can see 27 different gifts that God has given his people and the scriptures under them, like leadership. The gift of leadership is the divine strength or ability to influence people at their level while directing and focusing them on the big picture vision or idea. And it has the scriptures that indicate a gift of leadership. And there's individuals here that have a gift of leadership. And so in that, you'll see a gift of mercy, prophecy, teaching, word of wisdom. It's just incredible. So take this test and begin to discover what God has given you. Some of you need to discover that because you need to begin to operate in it, even if it's in, in baby steps. So in that, Take that test. So the nature of the body of Christ, uh, if you don't mind, go down to under the scripture, according to the Bible, God has created everyone uniquely with differing talents, abilities, and giftings. This is significant for the following reasons. I want to go down to number four, if it's okay, to kind of speed things up. This is just a little note of caution. Oftentimes, the faults that we'll see in the church are the areas of strength, fill in that blank, are our areas of strength, and chances are that we are supposed to be the ones that strengthen this area of weakness. If we understand this, we'll be able to turn our abilities into support instead of criticism. You know, the reality is, is that the we're not perfect, and the church is not perfect, and there's a lot of weak areas. But what happens is, is that we look at sometimes the weakness in the church or the weak areas, and, and it becomes a source of irritation and criticism. Instead of, a lot of times when you notice a weak thing in a church, it's probably because you have the gifting that helps fix that. And God wants you to step into your role and serve in your various capacity so that, so that the weak things are actually brought up and not weak so much anymore because you're operating in your area of gifting. So instead of being critical, step in the area of your gifting and serve, but also pray. When you see a weak area, pray. I mean... There are plenty of weak areas in this church because I can't do everything. 
Eliza can't do everything. Daniel can't do everything. And that's just the way God's made it. So don't turn what you see as a fault into criticism, but step up and operate in the gifting that God has given you. I, that blank there is serving. The best way that you can identify your gift is by serving as we faithfully serve in these different areas. J, God has promised to eternally reward those that serve faithfully in areas of calling. And number K, and then we're going to end here, character versus gifting. Although someone may be called and highly gifted in a particular area, all church promotions to positions of leadership in the church will be based upon character qualifications found in the Word. This is in keeping with the principle of 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 7, and Titus 1 through 7, 9. I won't get into that fully, but I think you know where I'm going with that, right? Okay. We need to be, we need to be walking upright before the Lord in our own personal lives um, in, if we want to serve in areas of leadership. So current ministry teams, you can see 19 and I think there's probably 25 more ministry teams, areas you can serve in this church. So once you discover your gift on the giftstest.com, which you're going to do this week, then you're going to think, okay, wow, I have a gift of greeting people, welcoming people, encouraging people. Maybe I should get involved with the greeter ministry. And then you're going to see Rebecca, who's over greeters in community. So the reality is we want you to get plugged in. So here's some areas specifically that you can serve in once you discover, and then you have the answer key for those that fell asleep and didn't fill in the blanks. So we're done.